If you do not have a Bible, we encourage you to take one in front, uh, in the front of you there, uh, in the pew shelf, and uh, Luke chapter 17, verse 11 through 19 is found on page 876 if you needed that. Um, And as we've mentioned before, if you need a Bible, you can take that Bible and uh, take it home with you, okay? So uh, we finished our journey through the book of James and uh, about an active faith, right? An obedient and active faith. And here today, we're going to be uh, looking into this passage in chapter in Luke chapter 17. Uh, Bill kind of touched on it at prayer time. There, there is so much still going on in this world, in this life. And for those of you that are uh, active on social media, uh, you can pull up your phone and see what's going on in the world. And it is. It's it's rather daunting. Um, you know, we remember the day back when uh, we didn't have it that quick. And it wasn't that long ago. And And there's just so much that's going on and it can be overwhelming. And here today, what I think is very important to to uh, get a grip on and uh, hold tightly to is this issue of a thanksgiving attitude, uh, an attitude of gratitude. You know, we, we talk about it, uh, especially here in Thanksgiving time. And it shouldn't be that way. It should be all the time that we're demonstrating. How can I be thankful for all the situations that I face? Um, we are... Uh, you know, the Bible started, you know, here's, here's men and, uh, you know, men that were moved by God to write down what God wanted in his word. It's God's word. It's not generated and created by man. It's God's word. God worked in such a way to move people, move men to write down what he wanted you and I to know and hear. We don't have everything. We don't have all the answers, but we've got what God determined, and it's God's word. And even in early times, after Christ rose from the dead and then ascended into heaven, even back then they're saying, you know, here's the end times. Here are the last days. So from that point till now, we are. We are in the last days. And we don't know exactly when uh, Christ will return again. Uh, most of us have probably prayed that he would return like any second because of what we're going through. And yet it might be another 20 years. It might be longer than that. We don't know. But one of the things you and I ought to be ready for is to demonstrate a thankful heart, right? And and that's something that sometimes we can get in such a, a rut because of the stuff going on in life, we're not even stopping to th- say thanks. And what we're going to see here today is let's not demonstrate that in our lives. Let's not be like the the nine others that walked on and didn't return to give thanks to God. And that's the passage that we're looking at. Um, so follow along in this. Luke 17, verse 11 through 19. On the way to Jerusalem, he was passing along between Samaria and Galilee. 
And as he entered a village, he was met by ten lepers who stood at a distance and lifted up their voices saying, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. And when he saw them, he said to them, Go and show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed. Then one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back, praising God with a loud voice, and he fell on his face at Jesus' feet, giving him thanks. Now he was a Samaritan. And then Jesus answered, Were not ten cleansed? Where are the nine? Was no one found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? And he said to him, Rise, go your way. Your faith has made you well. So, God, please bless the reading of your word and and may we be receiving it in our hearts with meekness and and humility. Um, I mentioned that we're in the end times. We're in the last days. We are. And it's not especially easy to just track it all the way in a detailed way. We can't. But we, we do have the Word of God to guide us in this. And one thing I want to mention is this. In Second Timothy, in regards to um, building up our time in the Word here, Second uh, Timothy chapter 3, verse 1 and 2, you can jot that down, says, But understand this, that in the last days there will come times of difficulty. For people will be lovers of self, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to parents, ungrateful, unholy. And the list that Paul writes and sends to Timothy, the list goes on concluding with, and they're lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. And so with that in mind, we, we tackle this text. We want to understand that, yes, people will be ungrateful. That's in man's nature, to be ungrateful. And in this passage that we've just read, you know, God has given us the Bible as our map to follow in this journey called life. This journey is not a fairy tale journey. I so often want that to be. It's not. What am I expecting? What are you expecting with the issues of life? God bless you when you go to Disneyland. It's great. It's wonderful. It's such a joy. You know, fun time with family and all that. A lot of Fallonites go to Disneyland. But life is not that fairy tale journey. But in most cases, a real difficult and challenging one. And God has given us the Bible as our map, our instructional guide, our, and, and the one main highway He tells us to stick on and travel on is the, the Thanksgiving highway that you and I are thankful no matter what. And we certainly do journey in number one in your outline, a world of hurt. A world of hurt. Sometimes we even, we even describe someone, boy, they're in a world of hurt. And the people, all the people in Jesus, all these scenarios in Jesus' time, they were in a world of hurt. 
you know, they did not have the technology. They did not have necessarily all the medical uh, awareness that we have. And so thus lots of lots of pain and struggle and difficulty. But in a world of hurt, letter A, here's the presence of the Lord. And on the way to Jerusalem, he was passing through, passing along between Samaria and Galilee. You know what? Jesus did not go about uh, random wandering. Well, I think I'll go here today and think I'll go there. He, he wasn't random in that way. Because we know that in the book of John, it tells us he did the will of his father all the time. Think of that. He, he was not saying, well, let's flip a coin today. See where we go. He knew. Now, the scripture doesn't detail that out for us in this passage right here. But what is this about? The presence of the Lord is showing here's, here's his reason for coming. It's saying he's on his way where? Where is he going? He's headed to Jerusalem. And you go, mark it down, Luke chapter 9 verse 52 talks about, and he set his face like flint to go to Jerusalem. Why was it that big of a deal? He mentions it back there in Luke 9 and here again in Luke 11. Why? Because this is why he came. This is, he's fulfilling his mission. He came to seek and to save the lost. And how is he going to do that? Through the fact that he did not come to be served but to serve and to what? Give his life a ransom for many. And in that giving his life a ransom, he's laying his life down as a sacrificial lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. That's why he came. That's what's being alluded to here in this opening, in these opening verses. Okay? So his visit was just really going on the way down to Jerusalem for his appointment with death. And it would unfold to his disciples as a trip full of betrayal, chaos, pain, mocking, beating of the Savior, and finally the Savior's bloody death. But this would be the time for Jesus glorifying God in the greatest way. And he finally, he said, he came to say, you know, he, he said in a number of ways in the Gospels, my time or my hour has not yet come. And then after he had the, the, the communion, the time with his disciples. He said, now is the Son of Man glorified. Why? He's going to go down to the Garden of Gethsemane, be arrested, be brought back into town, and be put on a mock trial and be beaten, spat upon. These are things that we need to let sink in. Because we, we move on after the service here and carry on with our lives. And yet, here's something that God wants us to settle on, land on, and think about, and meditate on. And why did he do that? He was innocent, and he did it for your redemption, your salvation. Okay, so, in a world of hurt, here's the, here's the Savior, here's the Lord, the presence of the Lord, but letter B, here's also the, the presence of the lepers. And this is a horrible disease. A disease that, you know, not only affected the individual, but but just kicked him out of society, kicked him out of his own family. 
It's terrible. There is different degrees of it. Typically, it starts like on the skin. You see this white or pink uh, pigment, you know, the effect on the skin, and it grows. And they were basically became their own little their own little community, a leper colony, right? They were cut off from normal life found in the towns and villages around. They were isolated. Listen to the description that William Barclay gives in his commentary on leprosy. He says this, It might begin with little nodules which go down, which go on to ulcerate. The ulcers develop a foul discharge. Eyebrows fall out. Eyes become staring. Vocal cords become ulcerated and the voice becomes hoarse and breathing goes to wheezing. The hands and feet always ulcerate. Slowly, the sufferer becomes a mass of ulcerated growths. The average course of that kind of leprosy is nine years and it ends in mental decay, coma, and ultimately death. Leprosy might begin with a loss of all sensation in some part of the body. The nerve trunks are affected, the muscles waste away, the tendons contract until the hands are like claws. There follows ulceration of the hands and feet. Then comes the progressive loss of fingers and toes until in the end a whole hand or a whole foot may drop off. The duration of that kind of leprosy is anything from 20 to 30 years It is a kind of terrible, progressive death in which a man dies by inches. We don't like hearing about that. I I have a hard time thinking of that in in some of the phrases that are mentioned there. So this is their plight, the plight of the leper. And Jewish historian Josephus was quoted as saying this, that lepers were in effect dead men, like the walking dead. But they had their, not just their plea, their plight, but their plea. And they cried, they saw Jesus coming through town. And they said the right thing, didn't they? Jesus what? Master. Well, in our thinking, in our understanding, we think, oh, they must Submit to his lordship. They call him Jesus, master. But that's not necessarily the case. In many times uh, throughout the Gospels, when they refer to him as master, here's just a a general heading for a a guy who's a a good teacher, rabbi kind of guy. So, But they're crying out for mercy. Okay? And really what we're trying, what, what, what we have the passage here for is for how do we handle it? And we're to see a parallel, right? We're to see a parallel. And that is with our spiritual condition. My friend, if you've never heard it, hear it now. Without Christ, you have spiritual leprosy. It's a cancer that's eating away at you. And it separates you from God. It corrupts you. 
It is a picture of sin in your life. And again, we walk around and, you know, we're in, most all of us are in healthy conditions and all, and yet the person without Christ is sick because of his sin. Separated from God. Okay? And apart from Christ, you're incurable. Just like the leper. He's incurable. We're unable to fix our own problem. And so we become outcasts from God's presence. We were separated from God. And that's what the scripture tells us. We were considered dead, as it says in Ephesians 2, 1 through 3. And you were dead in your trespasses and sins, in which you formerly walked according to the course of the world, according to the prince of the power of the air, of the spirit that is now working in the sons of disobedience. So, as it's recorded in the Bible, we see that only God could heal this disease. And the obvious parallel is that He is the only one who can heal and cleanse the human heart and really give you a new heart. So, however, in a world of hurt, many choose to journey on in life with an attitude of ingratitude. Always remember that the Bible makes a direct connection between ingratitude and human sinfulness. There's a strong connection there. Ingratitude and human sinfulness. Point number two, we move on. Verse 14, it says, When he saw them, he said to them, Go and show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed. So in point number two, we have the provision of God's mercy. The provision of God's mercy. And letter A, it's through his word. It's through the spoken word, the command that he gave them. And you're thinking, well, wait a minute. It's Jesus. Why didn't he just say, you're healed? He probably understood, he, not probably, he knew what was coming. He knew. He's God in the flesh and he knows. But he gives them this command. He commands them to go. Go show yourself or present yourselves to the priest. And what we understand here is that Jesus was calling for, first of all, calling for their response. They've got to have a response. A response of what? Obedient faith. It's not like they just sat around and said, oh, yeah, I believe. They had obedient faith. They got up and they, they started moving. They, they started going. And what he was telling them, really, this command was in accordance with the Old Testament. Okay? Pretty simple here. The Old, Old Testament instruction from Levit- Leviticus chapter 14, whereby one would be officially cleared by the priest as clean and free to re-enter society. It's interesting then is why he told them to just go show themselves to the priest. Well, here's the assumption of their being healed. And thus we see a, a condition that Jesus places on their healing. You got to get up and go. 
have an obedient faith. Demonstrate an obedient faith. Exercise an obedient faith. And that faith, again, we understand, is really from Jesus, generated by God. Faith is a gift, not something that just gets generated within you because you're a good person. That's a, Faith is a gift from God. And really, it's a matter of saying, you know, here's what he says, I believe it. And I will continue to walk in that way in my life. So uh, the provision of God's mercy was number letter A through his word, letter B through his goodwill. It's his goodwill. All of them were cleansed. All of them were commanded. And all of them are cleansed. All ten of them. Actual physical healing of leprosy. Not intended to mean that they were saved. This is just, here's a physical healing. Jesus heals them. And they go. Point number three. We move a bit deeper now here's the purpose of God's mercy the purpose of God's mercy of the ten only one returns to give thanks to Jesus and he's a Samaritan Samaritans most of you understand Samaritans were hated by the Jews Samaritans were half-breeds so it was a racial issue along with others but a racial issue And the Jews hated the Samaritans. But the purpose of God's mercy was found in that one who returned, the Samaritan who returned. And so we walk through this in verse 15. Then one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back, praising God with a loud voice. So there's two points there. Letter A, he came, he he returned. He returned to give thanks. He ends up returning to the, oh, by the way, who did Jesus tell the ten to go see? The priest. Only one of them went to the true great high priest. Isn't that interesting? And and most likely he didn't even understand. He didn't even know. He wasn't even aware that he was turning back to the great high priest, Jesus. But he responds, he takes action and goes back and starts it by saying, thank you. And let her be. Here's the purpose of God's mercy to be, not just to be, uh, to return, but to be restored to what we were created by God to do. And that's worship him. You are created for this, to worship God. And he did it with a loud voice. (laughs) He worshipped, exalt, praised the one true God, glorifying God with a loud voice. You know what the word for loud there is? It's what we get the word mega, megatron, mega something. I don't know what else. but And so I say, Christian, mega praise. Mega praise, right? That's what it's about. And listen, we've said it before from this pulpit. Your heart will worship one thing or another. It's always going to worship something. 
crazy enough, it can worship a, a sports hero or a sports team or um, designer clothes or I don't know what else. And we've said this before too. John Calvin saying that you and I have little worship factories, idol factories right here in your heart. We manufacture idols. So don't be deceived by idolatry. And this is a tough one because you can be saved for 50 60, 70 years walking with the Lord and still end up being an idolater and saying that you know the Lord. Be aware of that. Don't be deceived in this. Be sharp about it for yourself. Be on target with it and say, i I got to watch this. I don't want to fall into worshiping something. And what's your weakness in this? What is your weakness with idols? Identify that. And then say, I've got to come back and give thanks to God and glorify God. And okay, let's do it with a loud voice. (laughs) Why did he do it with a loud voice? Have you ever been a leper? Do you know what it's like to be cleansed? Do you know what it's like to be pardoned? I couldn't believe it when I was 19 years old, when I responded to the gospel call upon my life, I I couldn't believe I was forgiven. And it's not like I was some crazy murderer, drug dealer, whatever else. I just, I knew I had sinned against a holy God and He's forgiven me. I'm pardoned. I'm cleansed. The Bible says, white as the snow that's fallen outside. White as snow. Is that something to rejoice in or is it kind of ho-hum? And all too often we're ho-hum with it. You and I, we're ho-hum about it. Oh yeah, Jesus loved me, this I know for the Bible tells me so. All that. And so let's stir it up in our own hearts about worship, about giving God praise. Okay? Mega praise. Amen? (laughs) Mega praise. Letter C, the purpose of God's mercy to have a proper position. He fell on his face at Jesus' feet. He bows before him. Here's the key word is humility. I humble myself. I submit myself. I fall before his feet. Here's the place and the position we need to be in that we need to practice on your knees, on your face is the, is the physical expression of our submission to Him. Oh, by the way, don't forget the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They refused to bow before the King, the worldly King. Are you and I bowing before some worldly idol, before some worldly King? Let's be on the alert for that. Letter D, to have the proper perspective, thankful hearts. He was thanking him. This is the will of God for you in Christ Jesus. Uh, Bill mentioned it in everything, uh, pray without ceasing. He mentioned that in the prayer time. But it goes on to say in verse 18, in everything, in did I say everything? 
Again, we better let that settle in because not everything goes our way. In everything give thanks, for this is what? The will of God for you in Christ Jesus. A powerful verse. So have the proper perspective of thankfulness. An ongoing response through our journey in this life. The Greek word for giving thanks is a present active participle, meaning the one who returned kept on, kept on giving thanks. Present active. Okay? He kept on giving thanks. That's the idea, Christian, is that today, oh, you, you just keep giving thanks. Look for ways in, in that to give thanks. Then letter E. Well, before we move on to that, let's take special note here. Why did he bring up the point of a Samaritan? And he was a Samaritan. I think it's important to recognize here there's something more than just this scenario, more than just this story right here. It's also got the the implication of what what's happening on the bigger scene. Okay? Where's he going? Where's Jesus going? He's going to Jerusalem. And what's going to happen there? He'll be rejected by his own. But yet, through his death, the gospel opens up to the whole world now. Not just to the Jews, but here's to the whole Gentile world. And it's interesting. Here's one Samaritan who returns to give thanks. And here's nine, presumably, we don't know, but presumably we figure Jews that leave and and walk off and don't come back and give thanks. So, it goes along with what John chapter 1 verse 11 says, right? He came to his own, his own people, and they did not receive him. They rejected him. Okay? So, it's a sad report that's implied uh, in Christ's question, in verse 18, you say, And Jesus answered, Were not ten cleansed? Where are the nine? That just kind of echoes, you know, as you think this through, that just echoes, I don't want to be a part of that nine. I'd rather be walking that lonely path with the one person that goes back to say thank you. You know, it might be that the nine others just walked off thinking, yeah, I'll go to the priest. Um, but there's nothing said about their, their thankfulness, their, their healing. But all were healed. Okay? And then finally, letter E, under number three, letter E, to be transformed. To be transformed. Look at verse 19. And he said to them, Rise and go your way. Your faith has made you well. Your faith has healed you. It's an interesting way they translate this because the the root word here is sozo, meaning to save. Your faith has saved you. But here the translators... um, you know, it's, it's made, your faith has made you whole. Your faith has made you well. 
Okay? And it's trying to connect. Here's this, here's this picture of the lepers being healed. And here's now this one person, the Samaritan. His faith has made him whole. Okay? And that word, saved you or made you whole, is in the perfect tense. Now, I, I want to throw this out. I'm not trying to impress you with, you know, Greek. I'm just trying to help you understand there's different uses of these verbs here. And here's the Greek. It's in the perfect tense. It's like past tense, aorist in the Greek, in that it also sees the action as taking place in a point of time. But the difference is that the perfect also emphasizes what? Continuing results. Ongoing, continuing results. Your faith has made you whole. Your faith has healed you. Your faith has delivered you, rescued you, saved you. And that's what the big picture of the Bible is is about. It's about faith alone in Christ alone. Okay? So God's intention here is that sinners personally respond to His mercies, to His goodness, with faith, with belief, with thanks. Therefore, we ought to be able to say, listen, we ought to be able to say, Christian, that to be a a believer ought to mean to be thankful and humble and a person that glories in God for God's goodness even in the midst of life's journey and hardships and difficulties and trials and troubles. And so, that's the purpose of God's mercies. Not just to be aware of them. See, everyone has been blessed by God's mercies. Everyone in the world Theologians call it common grace, right? It's common grace. It's every, the, the rain falls on the just and the unjust. Where's that from? Well, it's Mother Nature, right? Baloney! It's the way God created the world. And it's from God. All the blessings are from God. Every good gift, every perfect gift is where? From Above, coming down from the Father of lights. Every gift. That was one of the verses that helped me through our time when our daughter was going through cancer treatments. Your mind goes all over the place. Difficult to... Understand why, you know, you ask all these questions. Why, 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 why? What's going on? How come? How come? Sarah never did this. Or no, you know, she's a good girl and blah, blah, blah. All the stuff that comes and through your mind. And we've got to understand every good thing. Every good thing. Every perfect gift is from above. And so... Do you want to be counted with the one Samaritan? Really? 
Do you want to be? Then we go on to point number four, and that is our practical steps. And we start with steps we must avoid. This is, again, this is a journey. We're walking along, um, and uh, maybe it's quicker than others, but we're, we're still moving. You know, you move and walk with the Lord. That's the journey that we're on. And will you resolve in your heart to say, I'm going to give thanks in everything. And you know what? After saying these things, you know, we could be tested very easily. I mean, it's not a big deal to be tested in this way. Will you give God thanks in everything? So steps we must avoid. Let me ask you this. Is your life, do you feel like your life is plagued by restlessness? You feel like your life is plagued with discontent? You're not necessarily doing it, you know, complaining out in front of others, but inside you're just kind of, I wish I had this. I wish I had that. And and it's thoughts that you're dealing with in your head. Are you restless? Are you discontent? Identify that. Because you're headed down the road of doubt and discontent. And then discouragement hits. Seeds of doubt about God and His Word. Identify that. Do you have those things going on in your mind? And if you do, hey, welcome to the club. It happens. You can doubt. It's frustrating. But what does the Word of God do? As you let it come into your heart and mind and life... The Word of God helps settle you to say, okay, God's got this. I'm secure in His righteousness and what He's already accomplished. It's a perfect gift that He did. It's a perfect work that He did so that you might rest in what He's done for you. You know, think about how easy it is to grow discontent with life, with others, with the stuff. I need more stuff. I need better stuff. Right? Think about that. And that's how we get off course. I fix my eyes, or you fix your eyes, your attention, your pleasure on the stuff of life. Seeking senses upon... uh, Pleasure seeking, I'm sorry, pleasure seeking uh, on the things of life. And where is God in it? And this all leads to the slow flood. The slow flood that takes place of complaining and grumbling. And the next thing you know, you're just like the Egyptian, or I'm sorry, the Israelites, and you want to go back to Egypt. No, let us continue walking by faith. So steps, letter B, steps we must apply. Steps we must apply. First of all, let me just say, after this pattern that we find here in this passage and in other passages of the Bible, let us cultivate gratefulness, right? You cultivate it. Some of you are excellent gardeners. Well, you know, here's another, that's just a simple illustration. Cultivate thankfulness in your heart. And I want to rapid fire, go rapid fire here with you, okay? We thank God for who He is, His attributes, Revelation chapter 4. We thank God for who He is in being 
We've sung about it. He is a good, good father. He's faithful. He's wise. He is in control. He is sovereign. That's what the Bible tells us. That's not some theologian's dream uh, thing that he, you know, pulled out of nowhere. No, God is in control and he does whatever he pleases. That brings him glory. And the more you and I get that, the more we can be settled in our lives with all the stuff that might happen. Doesn't mean that we're um, not affected by it. There's still things that hurt. But when you draw your mind to the sovereignty and the control of God in your life, here's, here's a person we can see is walking by faith. We thank him for what he's done, his work at creation. Um, the salvation provided for Israel and the salvation provided for you as a now a member of the church of Jesus Christ. Being a believer, you are a member of the church of Jesus Christ. And it's too bad that a cult has stolen that. Okay? Enough said, we get on a rabbit trail that we might not get back out of right now. So... We thank him especially for his, him and his grace, his grace, his amazing grace. Don't let a day pass. You, you give God thanks for his grace. We thank him for the family of God. Be thankful for the people that are a part of the family of God. Be purposeful in that, intentional. Give thanks to God for this brother, that sister. We thank him uh, for His work in placing us in the family. He's adopted us. Now we're children of God. We thank Him for those who respond to the Word. Right? We want to see that. It's not just knowing the Word. It's responding to it in faith, in obedience. We thank Him again back to His grace for the grace to help us overcome sinful habits in our lives. And He will provide that. He is able to do that. You trust Him. You turn away from sin. And that it might be that there's a, you feel just chained down and, and in chains with a, a certain habitual sin. God's going to deliver you from that. But you have to walk away. And you have to keep turning and walk away and go to the foot of the cross. Fall down before His feet. Worship Him. Continue that. It comes again to you. It knocks on the door. You turn around and say, No, I'm not going to take that. I'm going to turn back to Jesus. Turn to Him. So, you see in this passage that He equates giving thanks with what? Glorifying God. You say, Well, I don't know how to glorify God. Well, let me just leave you with a challenge then. Will you take your Bible and try and track of how there are different ways to glorify God in your life? It's not just by singing loud. Glorifying God is done in all sorts of ways. Do you know promises of God? Do you know one or two promises of God? you know 10 to 15 promises of God? Do you know more? The more you know the promises of God, then you're glorifying God in your life. Romans chapter 4 verse 20 talks about, 
about glorifying God by relying on his promises. Galatians 2.20 I'm crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. Right? That passage along with Luke chapter 9 verse 23 shows that we glorify God by dying to self. Die to self. You, you are glorifying Christ in that. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 31. Even in the little things of life, whether you eat or drink, do all for the glory of God, the glory of Christ Jesus. And the one that we don't like really a whole lot is you glorify God in your suffering. In suffering, you can glorify God. And I'm not sure, you know, Maybe that's in your affliction, your pain, your, your disease, your sickness. But in suffering, it's more about suffering for Jesus. Someone's pointing you out and saying, you're, an, you're a crazy Christian. You're a radical Christian. You're a whatever. You know, th- that's suffering. Suffering for the cause of Jesus Christ. And then last one, we glorify God by bearing fruit. John chapter 15. We glorify God bearing fruit. Okay. So, you'll notice at the bottom of your outline as we wrap this up together uh, now, there's a little statement down there. And by the way, you know, in the things that we say be thankful for and the things that we can glorify God in, there's no mention of things or possessions in any of those. It's all about spiritual emphasis in that. About God giving thanks for who He is and His ways, His will, His promises, and His glory. Okay. So, this phrase at the bottom of your outline. We are called to abide in Him and abide in His Word. And so the key for what was... Uh, printed out there is that you've got to be a Christian. You've got to be a child of God through faith alone in Jesus Christ alone. So keeping our minds, here it is, this statement, keeping our minds in the right place, scripturally known as abiding in the word, affords the believer much greater possibility of right and wise responses to all the various situations of life, of the journey that we're on. And specifically, addressing the issue of gratefulness. So will you be found returning to give praise to God for all He's done? The time to give thanks is present tense, right here, right now. Your next breath, your next step, here you go. Your next event. Give thanks in all things. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, you know each one of us and you know how much we need to grow in this way of giving you thanks. Lord, we confess to you um, a spirit of grumbling. We confess that there's situations that come up that really egg us on to uh, gripe and complain. Help us to mature and grow in our faith so that we might, uh, in everything, Give thanks to you for this is your will for us in Christ Jesus.
Lord, help me and my brothers and sisters here to remember the, the very next step, the very next turn of a corner, the very next situation, the very next person, um, that we would demonstrate thankful, thankful spirit in our lives, in our hearts, um, for what you're doing. Thank you that you are a sovereign God in control. And um, there's many, many times in my life where I'm not in control. I, I want to be in control. And so I get in the way of your goodwill. And I confess that. Please help each one of us in uh, learning and growing to walk with Jesus in this life. We look forward to when you will call us home or when you come again. What a great God you are. And we praise you in Christ's name. Amen. Uh, let me just mention...